0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: Then Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. So I want you to just notice that this sign is not just to Ahaz, it is to the house of David. And listen to what it is. The virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Isaiah chapters 7 through 12. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: So as we come to chapter seven, we come now to the first kind of major direct ministry of Isaiah, at least recorded ministry of Isaiah to the immediate situation there in Jerusalem and here, we come to his dealings with king ahaz now i mentioned before that isaiah is the prophet of the messiah and so in no less than 3 of these uh, chapters that we're going to look at but we're going to see the this just this amazing messianic prophetic element here that comes through with isaiah and so Begins in the seventh chapter here. This took place during the reign of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah. Now, remember, it was in the year that King Uzziah died that Isaiah says he saw the Lord. It was then that he received that commission to go and to prophesy to the nation. Now, after Uzziah, Jotham reigned, and Jotham reigned for about 16 years, and so we've now passed the reign of Jotham, and we've come into the reign of Ahaz. Uzziah was a good king, and the thing about Uzziah was he he was a good king until, well, it says that he that the Lord uh, helped him marvelously until he became strong. And so the problem with Uzziah was he trusted God until he got so successful that he felt like he didn't need to trust God anymore. And that's when he took it upon himself to try to go into the holy of holies. He tried to take on the role of the priest. He was uh, struck by God with leprosy and he lived out the rest of his life as a leper. So Jotham, then his son succeeds him and Jotham is, he's a good king like Uzziah. He doesn't do anything like Uzziah did. And Uzziah was 52 years was his reign, the longest reign apart from Manasseh. And it was a very prosperous reign. Jotham keeps the prosperity going. He continues to build. He continues to strengthen things militarily. But the people evidently are, their hearts are far from the Lord. And their their lifestyles are far from the Lord. So when Ahaz becomes the king, everything just goes south. Ahaz is a wicked king he's an evil king, he doesn't seek the Lord, he doesn't, not only does he not seek the Lord, but he does all of the things that God had forbidden in the law to be done by the people of Israel. He sets up idolatrous altars, he burns his children in uh, sacrificial fires to the false gods. He, at one time, he actually Shuts down the temple worship, he bars the doors, and then he sets up altars all around the temple area for false gods. So Ahaz is a bad guy. And during this time, Judah was under severe attack. God allowed them to come under severe oppression from King Rezin of Damascus area. Some Bibles refer to the, the area as Syria. Some refer to it as Aram. It's the same area, but um, two different names. So Rezin comes together with the northern kingdom of Israel. They make an alliance against Ahaz. And they're, they're basically trying to overthrow Ahaz so they can set up a king that will join with them in an alliance against the Assyrian king who everybody is afraid of because he's just conquering all the nations around them. But during this time, the alliance between these two kings, they attack Judah. They have tremendous victory. They kill 120,000 of their soldiers. And they also carry off 200,000 captives. And all of this, you can read about it in Kings or in Chronicles. But as they're coming from Judah into the northern kingdom with these captives, a man steps up as a prophet and rebukes them and says, what are you doing? These are our people. We're, we're the same nation. You shouldn't do this because we're just as evil as they are. And they actually listened to him. And so rather than bringing the captives, they were, they were women and children and, and some men. Rather than bringing them, they actually provided for them. They, they took care of them. Then they sent them back to the city of Jericho. Then they left them. So all of this is going on during this time. So Isaiah is living and prophesying in these very intense times. And during Isaiah's time, the Assyrians are going to come and attempt to overthrow Judah. But then, of course, the Babylonian invasion won't come till after the time of Isaiah, but he prophesies much about it. So here we are with Ahaz, and it says here, It goes on, Aram's king, or Assyria's king, Rezin and Israel's king, Pekah, son of Ramaliah, went to fight against Jerusalem, but they were not able to conquer it. So despite all that they did do, they, they still were unable to conquer Jerusalem, and that was because of the covenant that God made with David, and even though Ahaz is a descendant of David, sitting on the throne of David, and is evil, yet God still protects Uh, Jerusalem, because of the covenant that he made with David. And then Ahaz's son, who we will come to ultimately, is Hezekiah, who was one of the best kings that the southern kingdom ever knew. So it's kind of, you know, it's funny because you never really know how it's going to go with these kings. You would assume that you've got a righteous king and then he's going to influence his son and he's going to be a righteous king as well, but it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you see a wicked king, and you think that, well, you know, surely a wicked king is going to produce a wicked son, and it doesn't work that way. Ahaz and Hezekiah are a case in point. So when it became known to the house of David that Aram had occupied Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of the people trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind. So when they knew, when they heard about this alliance between Damascus and Ephraim, Ephraim is another name for Israel, the northern kingdom. It was called sometimes Ephraim, named after the large tribe that was descended from Joseph. And so here they now hear word about this alliance. So the Lord said to Isaiah, go out with your son, Shear Jashub, and Shir Jashub, Isaiah has these sons, we're gonna see another one in a minute, and he gives them these names that are actually prophetic. And so the Lord says to Isaiah, go with your son, Sheer Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool by the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, calm down and be quiet. Don't be afraid or cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks." the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. For Aram, along with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah, has plotted harm against you. They say, let us go up to Judah, terrorize it, conquer it for ourselves. Then we can install Tabeel son as king in it. So that was the plan. But the Lord says, take your son with you, Jeshub." And his name means a remnant will return. So his son is a message. He's like a, his, his son's name is a prophecy that the plan of these guys is not gonna succeed. There's gonna be a remnant that remains. So that's why the Lord tells Isaiah to take him. And so then... He goes on, and and, uh, this is what the Lord says. It will not happen. It will not occur. He just simply says that their their plan is going to fail. And then he says, the chief city of Aram is Damascus. The chief of Damascus is Rezin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The chief city of Ephraim is Samaria. The chief of Samaria is a son of Remaliah. If you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. So Isaiah is basically challenging this wicked king Ahaz that he needs to trust God because God is is going to work despite of what things look like. And so he says here, though, that these two nations, these two powers, one based in Damascus, the other based in Samaria, they're going to be taken out. But then it says an interesting thing. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. Now, the interesting thing here is that it was probably only 10, maybe at the most 15 years from this point that Ephraim or Israel, the northern kingdom, was conquered by and overcome and taken into captivity by Assyria. But the prophet gives a 65-year date here. So around 669 or 670, that would be about the 65-year mark, what happened is Asher Banipal, the king at the time, so so when they originally took the people of Israel, they took them into captivity, but they left many of them in the land. But then they sent other nations into mingle with them and to just to, you know, kind of break the, the power of the nation itself because there's all these different people groups that are now there. But in 669 or 70, they sent a massive amount of other peoples in and that finally eliminated any possibility of Israel ever regaining strength in the land because they were outnumbered by the other peoples that were there. So that's the 65-year reference here. So verse 10, then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, and he says, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. So Ahaz is acting like he's spiritual, but he really just has no faith. And he probably doesn't even want to ask God Because, of course, he doesn't want to obey God. He's already proved that he doesn't want to do that. But then Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. So I want you to just notice that this sign is not just to Ahaz, it is to the house of David. And listen to what it is. The virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. So here is that great prophecy, Isaiah seven fourteen. This is the great prophecy of the virgin birth. The virgin will conceive and bear a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew He quotes this very passage and says that the birth of Jesus, the conception of Mary, all of those things were a fulfillment of this passage here. Now, some people have a hard time with that because of what it goes on to say. It says, by the time he learns to reject what is bad and to choose what is good, he will be eating curds and honey For before the boy knows to reject what is bad and choose what is good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. So, but this is what we talked about, remember, in the last study. These prophecies oftentimes have a dual fulfillment, or sometimes even more than a dual fulfillment. And so here's a a classic case in point. There was an immediate fulfillment that was going to occur And the child here might even be the son of Isaiah that we're going to read about in the next chapter. And before the child, you know, is very old, the the kings are going to lose their power. About three years later, this whole alliance would be over. And so there was the immediate prophecy, but then there was the distant prophecy. Now... If it's Isaiah's son, Isaiah does name his son uh, Maher Shalahazbaz. He doesn't name him Emmanuel. He names him this, this name that also has um, significance, but it doesn't mean the Lord is with us. So this, this child is to be called Emmanuel. And so whether it was maybe a, another uh, child that was born near the time, uh, but the ultimate fulfillment would come through the virgin birth of Jesus through Mary, a descendant of the house of David. So Mary, of course, was descended from David. Now, with the the prophecy here, so the Hebrew word is Alma, A-L-M-A-H. That's the Hebrew word for virgin. And it could mean It could mean a young woman, a a young woman of marrying age. And the idea was a young woman of marrying age was a virgin. But some have argued, you know, there are people that don't believe in the virgin birth. So they've argued and said, well, Alma just means a young maiden. That's all it means. And even though it means a young maiden who, it does mean a young maiden, but it does mean a young maiden generally who is a virgin. they would say, you know, this, I mean, they would completely ignore Matthew's statement about it, obviously, but they would say, this isn't really prophesying a virgin birth. They, they weren't thinking in those terms at the time, but that's exactly what they were thinking, and this is how we know. They, that's, what, that's what Isaiah meant. That's what was understood, and we know that because when the book of Isaiah was translated into Greek... In Greek, they used the word that, mean, that can only mean a virgin, Parthenos. And so the translators understood the word to mean not just a young woman, but a young woman who had not had a sexual relationship. So that would be, of course, the prophecy, that there would be this miraculous birth that would take place. And so it was fulfilled in um, the the near fulfillment was in Isaiah's time, but then, of course, the ultimate fulfillment would be with the birth of Jesus. So this is is beginning now, this uh, string of messianic prophecies that Isaiah gives. So as we just go on um, with the rest of the chapter here, we don't need to read over each of these verses. This is just talking about um, the fact that time, times are going to be difficult. Uh, the eating of the curds and the honey was a reference to uh, sparsity in the land. And it goes on in verse 23 to make that clear that in a place of a thousand vines, um, it's going to become thorns and briars and so forth. So, so there's hard times coming upon the nation. So picking up in chapter 8, then the Lord said to me, to Isaiah, take a large piece of parchment and write on it with an ordinary pen, Mahir Shalah Hashbaz. I have appointed trustworthy witnesses, the priest Uriah and Zechariah, the son of Jebarakiah. I was then, Isaiah says, intimate with my wife, the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son, the Lord said to me, name him Maher Hashbaz, For before the boy knows how to call father or mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoils of Samaria will be carried off to Assyria. So the name means um, speeding to plunder or hurrying to spoil. So you see, here's Isaiah with his sons, and they're they're like a um, they're a witness themselves their Their very names are like uh, a reminder to the people of what God is going to do. And so as he goes on, he is telling the people why the judgment is going to come. The Lord spoke to me in verse five here he says he spoke to me because these people rejected the slowly flowing waters of Shiloh, and rejoiced with Rezin, the son of Remaliah, and the son of Remaliah. the Lord will certainly bring against them a mighty rushing water of the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria and all his glory. So because of the alliance that Israel made with, with Damascus, God says he's going to bring a judgment upon those people. And then, he goes down and just further detail about that. But I want, I want us to pick up in verse 11 and look at what he says. In verse 11, he says, for this is what the Lord said to me. He said this to me with great power to keep me from going the way of this people. So the way of this people is a reference to the way the people were all uh, basically just having no faith they were they were filled with fear they were not trusting god isaiah says god spoke to me in in a way such a powerful way to keep me from falling under that same kind of thing and so he said in verse 12 do not call everything a conspiracy these people say is a conspiracy do not fear what they fear do not be terrified you are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. So God says to Isaiah, You fear me. Don't, don't, the, the you know, the people were coming up with all of these conspiracies, all these theories about what was going to happen because they weren't trusting God. So all they could think of is it's just, oh, it's going to be the absolute worst. And, you know, this conspiracy theory after that conspiracy theory, and we need to do this, and we need to make sure that we've safeguarded ourselves against that, you know, all all of this kind of stuff. And the Lord says to Isaiah, don't do that. You trust me. Don't fear their predictions. You fear me. And then he says, speaking of the Lord, he will be a sanctuary But for the two houses of Israel, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over these. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Now, if this sounds familiar to you, it should if you've read 1 Peter. Because Peter quotes this very thing. And this passage is referred to on a number of occasions in the New Testament. Um, Remember Simeon, when Simeon speaks of um, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that will be spoken against. So the Lord is, he's the stumbling block. And then Jesus himself said that he was the stone over which people would stumble. And he said, um, whoever stumbles over this stone will be broken on whoever this stone lands, it will crush them to powder. So Jesus becomes the, the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy that he becomes the stumbling block for Israel.
0: Now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares
1: about this month's resource on Back to Basics. In our culture today, there are plenty of people that would even challenge the historicity of Jesus. They would want to cast doubt on whether or not Jesus even lived. But did you know that there is no reputable historian who questions the existence of Jesus? And John Dixon has written a fantastic book called, Is Jesus History? John is a PhD in historical studies and has done an excellent job in putting to bed the myths and the lies surrounding the existence of Jesus. Of course, Jesus was a historical person, and you can trust what the Bible says about him, and this little book, Is Jesus History?, is going to really be helpful for all of those who are still asking that question or wondering about that.
0: Again, this month's resource is a book titled Is Jesus History by John Dixon. You can order the book Is Jesus History by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, Is Jesus History by Dr. John Dixon? It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God.